So we are back in the book of Romans. It's great to be here. But before we jump back in, I would like to pray with you guys. Would you pray with me? Let's invite God. Dear Lord, we thank you for this place. We thank you for this opportunity to meet with you. Lord, we want to meet with you this morning. We ask, God, that you would speak to us, that you would work, that you would move into the places of our heart where we need to be moved. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so diving back into Romans. Last week, Rod talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. It was amazing. Um, and I went out with some young guys. We talked about how great that message was. So as we dive back into Romans, I think about last year, we spent like several months going through Romans 1 through 8. And there's so much in Romans that's just foundational to what we believe as Christians, to doctrine and theology that we really hang our faith on. It's amazing stuff. And then there's all these nuggets of wisdom and encouragement and things that we can just be, we can find hope in, and it's great. But what I, as I, I think about Romans, and then I think about my life, I see a disconnect. And, and the reality is that sometimes my reality doesn't match up to the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And so I think about these verses like, there is therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. But why do I feel condemned sometimes? That's the reality. Uh, you know, we are more than conquerors, Romans 8 tells us, in Christ Jesus. He's given us victory. But when I look back on the arc of my life, sometimes I see, unfortunately, more failure than victory. And it's, that's reality. And that's, there's a problem with that. And I think uh, maybe you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You, you expect victory, and you don't always see it. You know that God is a God of hope, and he's given you hope, but you don't always feel it. You know that you're supposed to have this sense of purpose, but you don't always sense that. There's a disconnect between where we are and where God has us to be. And so how do we bridge that gap between our reality and the reality of the kingdom of heaven? Um, A few things. Uh, because we know, first of all, we know that the kingdom of God isn't just words, it's in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that the kingdom of God is not just words, it's power. And so, again, we're looking at this, why, why is my life one way when God promises it's supposed to be another? How do we bridge that gap? So in Romans 12 this morning, we're going to take a look at what God has to say about unleashing his power. So here's a little bit of context. So the book of Romans is written to this church in a place called Rome. No surprise there, right? Um, and so these, these Romans, they're, they're learning all these things. They're growing in their faith. And they have this kind of sense of pride, like they are better than everyone else. And in Romans 9, 10, 11, Paul's like, dude, you guys, you have some issues with pride. And so he, he starts off here in verse 3, says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. So this concept that we're part of a greater body is really key to understanding how we unleash the power of God in our lives. Just He says, goes on in, in verse 3 and 4, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We have many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. So these are my hands. My hands are powerful. Maybe not as powerful as Garrett's, but my hands are powerful, not, maybe not as powerful as Pastor Rod's, but I can do amazing things with my hands, um, but only to the degree that my hands are connected to my body. This hand is useless if it's not connected to my body. You see, we experience the power of God when we're connected to the people of God. 
we experience the power of God when we're with the people of God. It's not that God doesn't work powerfully in my life as an individual. It's not that his word isn't powerful, because it is. But we experience God's power when we're connected to the people of God. Some of you guys, uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been here. You know, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Somehow you thought we were going to show the game. I don't know. Um, yeah, the hockey game will be on soon. Don't worry. Um, hockey, right? Just kidding. Um, and so you, you, you came here to church. You're not part of the family of God. And maybe for you, you also haven't experienced God's power. And you, you know the Bible. You've heard about the Bible. You're like, yeah, I don't believe that stuff. Perhaps it's because you've never been connected to the body of Christ, to God's people, because that's where we experience so often God's power is through his people. So this morning, Romans 12, we're going to see two different ways we experience God's power. One is through gifts that he gives his people, and one is through relationships. So two important things to take a look at. So first of all, he says, by grace, by God's grace, he's given you gifts. God has given us, those of us who are Christ followers, gifts. And it's by grace, not because we've earned them, not because we're amazing. It's because he's good. He's a good father. Um, I was having a discussion with someone this week, and I was saying, our father is good. And he wants to give us good things because he's a good, good father. And so by his grace, he's given us gifts that we might dispense God's power. It's almost like electrical outlets. Have you guys noticed how you can almost never have enough electrical outlets? Like my kitchen has like 14. I can use like 24. You know, I need a crock pot. And you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? You got to have all the, you know, all the things going at once so you get ready for the party. We need lots of and lots of outlets to dispense God's power. Good news. We have lots and lots of outlets to dispense God's power through his people. God has supernaturally built into his church an unlimited supply of outlets where we can dispense God's power through one another. So let's take a look at the text here, verse 6. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So he's talking about these gifts that God has given to his church, to his people. The first one we're going to talk about, just, this is like a 30,000-foot overview of gifts. We're not going to depth today, just a little bit, just a little, little snack, a little Super Bowl snack for you guys. So prophecy is the first gift he, he talks about. And you think prophecy, and, and you get a little like, hmm, what's that? You know, are we talking about end times? You know, we're talking about helicopters, and you know, it, people get a little weirded out by that, right? But this gift of prophecy is really about bringing the heart of God from the word of God. Bringing the heart of God from the word of God. So somebody with this this gift of prophecy is able to share with you what God is saying through his word, and it's just for you. It's just for that moment in time. That's the gift of prophecy. Oftentimes we see this in preaching. You know, Rob was up here last week preaching us from God's word, from Romans 1 and 2, prophesying the heart of God from the word of God. We need that. Nate was up here leading worship earlier. And I believe worship can be a form of that because he's declaring God's heart for you guys from the word of God. We were singing scripture if you didn't know it. It was the heart of God from the word of God. That's prophecy. Next gift he talks about is service. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Serving others is a little bit like the engine of a cruise ship. Anybody been on a cruise before? I hear it's amazing. Like, it's a buffet. It's like a Super Bowl Sunday buffet every day, right? And you come back gaining 45 pounds, and you had a great time, right? So when you go on a cruise, you never think about the engine of the ship. 
Is anybody like, I wonder how the engine is doing? No, you don't think about that. You just go on your trip. This, this engine propels you forward. You go to Mexico or Catalina or Hawaii or wherever you're going on a cruise, and you're having a great time. You're not thinking about it at all. People with the gift of service, they are the engine of this ship. They make all this happen. There's some people in this room who we would not have church if it wasn't for them. Uh, I ran into Mike Trosper yesterday at the ranch, who's getting our ranch ready so we can go back to it, so we can be in that place again. Service is so needful. No, we all are called to serve, right? We all serve. But some people have a, a gift for it where they're just able to do it and go hard and just do it and love it, and they never get tired of it. God has gifted you to that, and we need that. Do you have the gift of service? Maybe you do. Next thing he talks about is teaching. So he says, if you're a teacher, teach well. So lots of people can uh, maybe look at something, find some insight into it, maybe understand what the context is, and they study. You know, we have teachers who teach in school. And I don't know about you, but I'm like the worst math person ever. You know, it's like one plus one might be 14. I don't know. Um, I'm still learning, but I'm getting better at this. But I, I never had a teacher who was able to help me understand math. They talked about math, but I never understood it so well. Somebody who has a gift of teaching is really able to transfer understanding to other people. Not just share information, but to transfer understanding. Help them to understand what's going on, what God's saying through his word. We need that gift. Maybe you have that gift. Maybe you have that gift for sharing understanding with people. Then he goes on, he talks about encouragement and exhortation. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Or as another version says, if your gift is to exhort people, which is not a word we use very often. But really, somebody with this gift, they have this ability to come alongside and say, hey, let me help you. Just like the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps us, you have that gift for coming alongside, encouraging someone, coaching, cheerleading, hey, You have the ability. God is using you. Grow in this area. They're saying, hey, read your Bible. They're encouraging you. They're coaching you along. They're also exhorting you, which is a little bit more like a a push or a rebuke. Sometimes we need a little push, don't we? You know, we're like, maybe on the edge of following God a little bit harder. And we need somebody to push us along. Or maybe sometimes we need a little bit of a little rebuke, right? Because we are not obeying in some way. Somebody with that gift can do that in a way that's loving, that's kind, that's helpful. Maybe you have that gift. I know some people in this room who have that gift. We need encouragement and exhortation to get us moving along. Some people have this gift of generosity. So if you have this gift, you can make checks payable to the Matt Higgins Foundation. Um, If it's giving, he says, give generously. Generosity is really releasing the wealth of heaven. All right? Releasing the wealth of heaven. We are all called to give. Rod just talked to us about that a minute ago. That's all of our, our ability as Christians and our calling as Christians. But some people have this supernatural ability where maybe God has gifted you with wealth. Maybe not. Maybe you don't have that much, but you want to give everything that you have to serve God. And for our church, we've experienced that so many times where we just get these random checks in the mail. doesn't have a name on the envelope. You know, $10,000, $20,000, here's Sanctuary Church, I want to bless you. Some people have that supernatural gift to unleash the wealth of heaven, and we need those people. We need them right now, actually. We can always use those people. But more than that, we need this gift of leadership, and so he's going to talk about that. He says, if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. So what's leadership? Is that like, I mean, somebody with a degree? Like, I have a degree in business. Does that make me a leader? Not necessarily. These are, we're talking about supernatural gifts, right? gifts from God for his church. So he says, 
Lead with diligence. That word diligence in Greek is, you ready for it? Spude. Can you say with me? Spude. Isn't that fun? And it's interesting because it really means like to be speedy or to have haste or to have hustle. So really leadership is hustling for the glory of God. I know some people who like to hustle, who like to get things done, who have this ability really to organize. We need people with that, those administrative gifts who can really just organize the business of church to get everything together, who can, you know, like, here's the signups for the youth trip. We're all ready to go. You know, here, we got the bus coming. That's important. We need these people with leadership and people who will do it with spude, who will do it with speed, who will do it with hustle. The next gift he talks about is kindness and mercy. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You see this gift of kindness, you're like, so I have the gift of being nice? Well, some people do have the gift of being nice, and I appreciate those people. Everybody at Chick-fil-A has the gift of being nice, right? It's my pleasure. It's the Lord's chicken too, by the way, right? Um, So it is the Lord's chicken because it's delicious, and they're not open today. Um, If you have a gift for showing kindness... Really, this, this kindness, it's mercy. And so mercy is somebody who is reaching out to help hurting people, right? They're reaching out to help hurting people. My mother-in-law was here in the first service. My mother-in-law, I believe, has this gift because she will always go find the person who's hurting and be able to help them, encourage them, lift them up, serve them in whatever way they need. She has that supernatural gift. Maybe some of you guys have that gift this morning. You have that ability to see who's hurting and help them. Maybe you have a heart for the homeless. Maybe you have a heart for the hurting. You have that gift of mercy. So each one of us has a gift. question for you is this morning is, what about you? What has God gifted you to do? Do you know what your gift is? Is it mercy? Is it service? Is it prophecy? Is it teaching? Is it any of these things? But if you don't know, here's the question. The second question is, if you don't know, how do you find out? How do you know what your gifts are? You know, there's spiritual gift tests that we can take and other means of trying to learn that. But so often we learn what our gifts are in the context of community. I was sharing the story with someone this weekend, but when I was a young man, I first got married, I was 21, my wife was 20. We joined this church and we joined a community group, as you all should, coming up this season. And everyone in our group was like our parents' age or our grandparents' age, which was amazing because when you're 20, 21, you need that wisdom in your life. And so these people were reaching out to us. We were talking about God's word. We were doing a Bible study. And this woman looks over to me and she says, you have the gift of teaching. I'm like, really? You sure? She's like, yeah, you have the gift of teaching. Really? So listen, guys, we find out what our gifts are in the context of community. That's where we find out. And so that's part of why, as a church, we're pushing you and say, hey, join a community group. Join a small group. Financial peace. Um, any of these groups, because in community, we find out what our gifts are, and we experience the power of God through the people of God, right? So now in the in text in Romans, we're, talk, we're, trans, we're uh, changing from talking about gifts to talking about relationships, the other part where we experience God's power. So where are we most likely to experience God's power? One place is here on Sunday mornings. That's why we ask you to be here. Um, It's important because we get to see all these gifts in in motion. You guys hear the little kids over there? I love it, right? My wife is actually working there right now. But we get to experience their gift of teaching to our children, right? We get to experience service. Think about Danny out there who's directing traffic. Think about... um, the people who are serving food. Think about all these people who hold this thing together. We get to experience that together on a Sunday morning. So you've got to be here. You're going to experience the power of God. But the second place, and really I think where we can experience God to it, maybe even a greater degree is because we have more time, 
is through relationships. And so we're invited, we're encouraged to be in relationships. And we're, we're invited in a special way because Ephesians 1 says we are adopted into the family of God. If you believe Jesus, you are part of a family. And that's very, very good news, right? And so in God's family, you experience the love of God. And so he's going to talk about love for just a minute. So he says in verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love others. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. God is calling you and me to radical authenticity in our relationships with one another to be completely authentic, to be completely real, that we have a love that we're not pretending, where we have a love where we can actually really love people, we can affirm what's good in them. Sanctuary is a church of affirmers. That's something that Pastor Rod has taught us for, since the beginning, to affirm one another. He says you need to be in close connection to be able to do that. But also, he says, to hate what is evil in one another. We need people who, are, who love us enough to tell us that there's something wrong. If you love your friends, you tell them that their zipper is down, right? <laughs> if you don't love them, you just laugh, um, right? If you love people, you tell them what's, what's going on, but you have to do that at a place of a love. You know, if someone just comes up to me and starts telling me everything that's wrong with me, it's not going to go well. Um, in between services, Rod was talking to me about the first service and some ways I can improve. I love to hear that. I said, thank you, Rod. I need to hear that from you. We need that, that relationship where people can speak into our lives. God is calling us to radical authenticity and a love for each other. And the secret sauce to all this is time, intentionality, and frequency. We need time. We need intentionality. We need frequency. That's why I said not, Sunday mornings is great. We want you here. This is amazing. But when you are in personal relationship or in small group relationship with people, you have the opportunity to just amp that up like 25 times where you can spend more and more time together and grow in these love relationships. So at the beginning, I talked a little bit about how we're disconnected sometimes, right, between the reality of heaven and the reality of our lives. They don't always match up. You know, I said, uh, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but yet I feel condemned. I say that, there's more, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, yet I see a lot of failure, not a lot of victory sometimes. But here's why. These verses are completely true. They're absolutely true. The Word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful, it can do amazing things in our life. But when I'm by myself, the loudest voice I hear is mine. You're condemned. You're not victorious. I need someone like you to come alongside me and say, guess what, Matt? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I need that. You guys need that. We get that when we're together as the body of Christ. God has called us to be ministers of his grace, of his goodness, of the, of the gospel, the good news to one another. He's called you to be that to me. He's called me to be that to you. He's called us to be that together. We experience the healing power of God in community. That's why it says in James, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Oftentimes, if we don't confess our sins to another person that we love and trust, we're not going to deal with that sin. And that's why we get that healing and the power of community. God has designed the church to be this place where his affection is experienced in power. That's why he says, be affectionate, be kind to one another, love one another that way. You guys know that, that uh, show from the 80s, some of you guys are a little bit older, called Cheers, right? The whole show is built around a bar. It's like, where everybody knows your name. It's amazing, you know, and... 
A bunch of drunk people know your name. That's great. Um, I need somebody who knows more than my name. I, I need somebody who knows me deeply. If I'm going to be changed, if I'm going to be impacted by God's word, I need people in my life who know me deeply, and I need to know them deeply as well. I need people who can speak into my life. Question for you this morning is, who in this room or in this body of Sanctuary Church really knows you? Who knows you? Does anybody know you? Do you just walk in on a Sunday and walk out? Who really, really knows you? Who can speak into your life, hating what's evil, affirming what's good? God has designed this church to be this place of where his affection is experienced in power, where you experience the power of God through all these outlets of the people of God. Relationships often, though, they happen in the rhythms of life. Jeff Vanderstelt wrote this book called Saturate, and he talks about how we need to be together as the body of Christ, and he talks about all these rhythms of life that we do. So how many of you guys ate breakfast this morning? Breakfast, a little oatmeal, a little toast. Maybe you went crazy and had the pancakes and the syrup. Right? We all eat every day. That's part of a rhythm of life. How many meals do we have a day or a week? Just like seven days times three. Remember, the math is not a strong point. That's like 50, right? <laughs> 50 meals, 21 meals a day, right? 21 meals a day is 21 opportunities you potentially have to be with the body of Christ. Could you eat with somebody? You have to eat anyways. Yes, you can. How about exercising, right? Who likes to exercise in this room? You are all lying, all right? So... Um, Nobody likes to exercise. Some people really like to exercise. And can you exercise with someone else? Someone from this church, maybe? Someone who's going to know you, encourage you, and love you, and not just encourage you in your exercise? Because uh, Timothy says that bodily dis- exercise profits a little. Uh, that's my life verse. Um, <laughs> but spiritual discipline profits so much more. Someone who can exercise, who can work out with you. Or how about like carpooling? Who needs, who needs a ride somewhere? to go to work every day. Some of you guys are teleworking. But a lot of us, we drive. Could you drive with somebody from church? Maybe. Might work out. An opportunity. Looking for those opportunities through the natural rhythms of life to meet with one another so we can grow deep, so we can experience the power of God. So we move on from there. What's the point of all this? What's the point of relationships? It's just so we have lots of nice friends. We can hang out with other Christians, people who don't cuss or dance or drink or that kind of stuff, what's the point? Is it to have a holy huddle to sing kumbaya, to hold hands and feel good? I mean, that's part of it. That, is, that part is there for sure. No, Christian relationships are the starting point. They're not the ending point. God has put us together, Ephesians 2.10 says, to do good works. We are his workmanship. When he, said, when he says we, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to a group. He's talking to a body. He says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared beforehand that we might do. He's put us together to do good works. But we're going to have a base for that when we have this base of deep relationships where we're affirming what's good, we're pointing out what's evil, we're using our gifts with one another, and then we're going to be sent out for the glory of God. So Jesus sent out his disciples in twelves, and then he sent them out by two. Question for you this morning. Who's your twelve? Who's your two? Who's your tribe that God has put you together with that you might display the glory of God and do the works that he's prepared beforehand? So as uh, my old pastor many years ago used to say, what's the point? So what's the point of all this? What's, why, do we, why are we talking about this? 
Remember, we experience the power of God with the people of God. So I just want to give you a few challenges. The first challenge is, is be here. So I'm so glad you guys are here. If you're listening online, we're glad that you're listening online. It's so good to be in the house with the people of God. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is coming. Some of you guys are hungry and thirsty. You experience the power of God, but you also don't come to church. I'm glad for those of you who are here, but a lot of you are not here. Some of you guys are listening online. We so love that you're listening online. If you're able... We want you back. We want you in this room because we want you. We want to experience what God has given you through your gifts. We need you. We need you here if you're able to. If you can't, we understand, but we want you here. It's time for you to connect, to be engaged. So the second challenge is to be together, right? So we experience God through gifts and also through relationships. Radical authenticity requires time, intentionality, and frequency, if we're going to be radically authentic and love and hate what's going on in each other's lives to the glory of God, we have to have time, intentionality, and frequency. It doesn't happen unless we're together. Uh, like we talked about these rhythm, rhythms of life, we need to be together. Uh, we need to eat together. We need to work out together. We need to travel together. We need to rest together. We need to recreate together. We need all of these things because that's where we experience that deep life where we can have that base to go out and change the world. Another part of that is that we disciple one another along the way. There's this principle in Deuteronomy 6 that says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at the home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. So as you're driving down the freeway, talk to Jesus to about, talk to your kids about Jesus. As you're driving down the freeway commuting with your new friend from Sanctuary, talk about Jesus. As you're working out, talk about Jesus. As you're eating, as you're going on vacation, as you're traveling out in the desert with your RVs, whatever you do, do with one another and disciple one another. The other thing is that we get to use our gifts. What gifts have you been given? Do you know? As we use our gifts, be generous with those gifts. Some of you guys have gifts that you've just kind of put on the shelf. You're like, ah, God doesn't want to use them anymore. Maybe I'm too old or, you know, this different time of life. Listen, God has given you gifts, and we need your gifts. We need you to speak God's power to us. And this is the last thing I want to say is, is this, is be part of our journey. So some of you guys, like I said, you're not really Christians. You thought we were going to play the hockey game on the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, right? We, you came today. You're not Christians. You're just here. You're invited into the family of God. Did you know that? Maybe you don't know that, but you are invited to be part of us. You're invited to be part of the family of God. So this story in the Old Testament, Moses has a brother-in-law. His brother-in-law's name is Hobab. Anybody got a brother-in-law named Hobab? Um, I think I do. Maybe I do. Anyway, so they're about ready to leave Mount Sinai. They're going to go into the promised land. They're going to go where God is calling them. And Moses says, hey, Hobab, can you come with us? We really want you to come. We're going to experience God's power. It's going to be great. We want you along. And Hobab's like, no, I'm not an Israelite. That's not my gig. He says, no, Hobab, we need you. You understand, because you've camped these deserts. You know where to go. We need you. And if you guys don't know Jesus this morning, if you're not part of the family of God, just come along anyways. Just hang out with us. As you come along, you're going to experience the goodness and the power of God through these people. And you have gifts you don't even know about yet. 
God has gifted you with things you don't even know about yet. As you come to follow him, he's going to display those gifts, and he's going to display his power through you. Imagine that. It's going to happen. So as the band comes up, I just want to close out with just a few thoughts. So what might happen if? What might happen if we actually did these things? What might happen if you figured out what your gifts were and you used them in the lives of others? What might happen if you started hanging out with people throughout the week and not just on Sundays? What might happen if you came on a Sunday morning and started doing that with regularity and frequency and intention? What would happen in our lives as Christ followers? What would happen in our community as we try to reach them? I think radical things would happen because God wants to display his power through his people, which is you guys. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you that you want to meet with us. You want to speak. You want to work. You want your word to come alive in power through us. We thank you that you invite the whole world to join the party where you are in that place where you are working in this place, Sanctuary Church. God, we invite you. We surrender to you. We want to be part of what you're doing. In your name, amen.